45, verse 11. There I will nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And the, the scene here is Joseph is in the land of Egypt. He is now the number two of command of the entire region of, of Egypt in the surrounding areas. He's a powerful figure, but he was originally out in the desert. He was a, uh, uh, a Hebrew. He sold into slavery, and he became a slave in, in Potiphar's house, and then he ends up getting thrown in prison, uh, wrongly accused. And uh, after a number of years, he ends up becoming the number two command of all of Egypt after interpreting Pharaoh's dream. And what's going on is there is a seven-year famine going on, and uh, the family that Joseph is from, Israel and his brothers, are out in the desert dying from this famine. But then the they hear that there is food in Egypt. So Israel and the brothers, uh, they end up going to Egypt to get some food. And long story short, they thought Joseph was dead, but Joseph is, Joseph is alive. He reveals himself to his brothers, and, and he basically bids them to come back. And in verse 11, he gives them insight. He says, look, I want you to get dad, get the rest of the family, and bring them to Egypt, okay? Because he says there's five more years of famine. This is incredible for us to understand that there was somebody that was that near and dear to God that he knew the timetable of the famine. He actually knew the timetable of the land, the time of plentiful and the time of dearth, the time of famine. Because God told him through the dream of Pharaoh, he gave him the interpretation that there'll be seven years of abundance, but then there's going to be seven years of famine. And because of seven years of famine, in the time of abundance, store extra food. So when the famine comes, you'll have enough to survive for yourself and those surrounding nations around you. This is so important. We've talked about this over the past few weeks, that there would be people close to God that know what is going on in the hour in which they are living. And Joseph, at, before he is at number two in command, and before Pharaoh has a dream, Joseph is in a dungeon. He is in a prison. And in that prison, he is, he is going through the worst time of his life because he's already been you know, uh, sold into slavery. And then he'd been lied on in slavery. Now he's thrown into prison. And then there's two prisoners that come in, a butler and a baker. They have a dream. And Joseph interprets their dream. And he says, this is what's going to happen. Your dreams will come to pass just like this. And here's what he tells the butler. He says, look, when your dream comes to pass and you get put back in your place of position, serving the, the wine for the Pharaoh, remember me and tell him. Tell him I'm, I'm wrongly here and release me. I want to go back home. And the, the, the butler, when he gets put back into his place of prominence, he forgets all about Joseph. And Joseph is down there for two more years. Now, there ain't nobody that wanted to be out of there more than Joseph. That's why he gave the message to the butler. He says, please, 
Tell him. I, I want to get out of here. Tell him that I'm here wrongly. But two years. And so if, if, if the butler would have told Pharaoh right away, then Joseph would have got out of the prison right away. But if he would have got out of the prison right away, in two years, he would have, he would have got a, a released from his jail sentence two years earlier. That would have been wonderful. But he never would have been able to stand before Pharaoh when Pharaoh had the dream two years later. And the butler was serving the wine to the Pharaoh after the Pharaoh shared his dream to everybody. Joseph would have been long gone and no one could have interpreted that dream. I say all that to say this, that as much as we want this time of pestilence, this time of, uh, of you know, a type of famine in the land, this COVID-19, if we try to hurry the process, we'll miss the process, and we'll miss the prime opportunity that God was preparing us for. So as much as we all want all the bands to be lifted off of us, and as much as we want everything to pass and life to go back to our normal, God doesn't want us to have, you, we probably heard this statement, church as usual. Well, God's not wanting us to have church as usual. God is wanting to do a unique work in this unique time. And so this is the opportunity that we don't keep trying to say, oh, God, please just lift all this off of us. I want it just as bad as you, just like Joseph. Joseph's like, please get me out of here. But God didn't take him out of there because God knew what was coming in two years. I'm not saying that this is going to be the way life is for two more years, but we don't know, to be honest with you. They they can only give projections. But I do believe that something is coming down the road that if we would align ourselves in the process, that we are going to be positioned to give the correct interpretation, and God will give us a place of prominence in this world. We go on reading here in Genesis 47 in verse 11. And so now Joseph is getting his family back into Egypt. And so Joseph places his father, verse 11, and his brethren. And now he's able to give them the best land in all of Egypt, the land of Goshen. And Joseph now nourishes his father, his brothers, and their households, and all the bread. And then in verse 13, we come to this point of where I'm wanting to focus in our Bible study tonight. It says, there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. And here's the key verse here, verse 15 of Genesis 47. And when money failed, when money failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan. And that's what I want to talk to you about here the next couple moments. I won't be too long, hopefully, is that when money fails, money seems to be always there. I know that it seems like here today, gone today, and we live from paycheck to paycheck. But there are times money fails. Money is not, we we have something called social security, but that's not even really a security. It's it's a gamble. It's not a, a sure thing. And our money, even though that we put so much time in, so many dollars come back, 
And if we comply with the business rules and we, we do all of our parts that we are promised such and such back. But there is a time that money fails. And this is what happened in the days of Joseph. They had seven years of abundance unlike ever in the history of Egypt. There was such abundance. Everything seemed for sure. But the time came when money failed in the land. And check this out. Because because money failed, and because there was a man whose ear was to the heart of God, and because he knew of the abundance, and he knew of the time of famine, this man was ready, and this man was prepared. And so when money failed, look at verse 15. It says, all the Egyptians, all of the world came to Joseph. And what did they say? They said, give us bread. If you could just imagine with me for a moment that Joseph is the church. Egypt is the world. And bread is the word of God that we have. When money fails in the land, the thing that this world lives by, the thing that this world pursues, the, the, the security of this world, the pursuit of this world, the value of this world, when money fails, all the world came to the church. And what did they come to the church for? They came for bread. Just like Jesus said in Matthew 4, for men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because there comes a realization, just like our governor did. And I, I know prior to this, she is a woman of faith. I, I, I know that. But the point is that faith has not been at the foremost of the, the political system of decision-making and, and decrees and all that kind of stuff in South Dakota. It's just the separation of church and state. But government comes to a point. The world comes to a point, and they say this. We can't do anything else than what we've done. And so they come to Joseph. They come to the people of faith, and they say, we need bread. We need something from God. And I believe that the, 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 as, as much as people hope that this passes, it's not passing as soon as people wanted it to pass, there is a reduction of what they've lived on. And as it plummets, decreases, and diminishes, and is removed, when money fails, Egypt goes to Joseph. The world goes to the church. And silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give IV in the name of Jesus Christ. I can give the bread of life. I can give a word from God. And when they come to Joseph, look what they say. Give us bread. Why should we die in thy presence? For the money faileth. God forbid that the world dies in the proximity of the church that has the bread. People's jobs are failing. People's health is failing. The church, which you are, you have the bread. 
you've been preparing for a moment, for such a time as this. Because you know this world is not our home. We're just passing through. That heaven is our eternal destination. And so we, the church, have the bread of life. We have Jesus. We have the word of God. And God forbid that when the church, the world realizes its money has failed, that they die in our presence. I hope that God will, just like those prayer requests I mentioned a moment ago, I pray to God that people's mind is quickened to you, to your home, to your family, to you as an individual, that they go to you for bread when their money fails. And they will not die in our presence. Because just like Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 4, when they came back into that well in the wilderness, they, Jesus said, I have uh, meat that ye know not of. And they have not known about the meat we have. But when their money fails, when their job fails, when their security fails, they'll come to Jesus. They'll come to Joseph. They'll come to the church. And they will not perish in our sight. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. This context of Scripture. Jesus says this about money. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, Because that's where moth and rust does corrupt. That's where thieves break through and steal. But instead, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. Verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thy eye be single or pure, your whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. And in verse 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one or, and, and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I read these verses. They're all one setting, one context. And the context of these verses that we read is treasure in the temporal and treasure in the eternal. And Jesus warns. This is, this is how he does it. This is how he brings the point home. In ways, he's talking about treasures on earth. As he's talking about treasures on he- in heaven, he says, don't invest in the wrong treasure. Don't put your heart on the wrong treasure. And your heart is connected to your eye. And he says this, he says, he warns what we set before our eyes. He's talking about temporal treasures on earth, eternal treasures in heaven. And so he gives the warning about what your eye is set upon. Because the eye is the gate or the deposit box. It is the opening where you make deposits. And where the eye is open, the deposits go into your heart. That's the context. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. This is all connected in this setting here. And so Jesus is warning us. He declares your eyes are set on what you love and your eyes are set on what you serve. And so he's trying to get you to refocus 
and realign your eyes on the eternal and not the temporal. Because when you feel the immediate impact of society and you feel the ramifications in the flesh, it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Like when you when you hit your shin on the corner of a stair, the first thing that comes to your mind is the pain on your shin, and you're going to grab it, you're going to touch it, you're going to embrace it, or you're going to express yourself, all that kind of stuff. And so right now, the immediate feel of the COVID-19 now is it, it, where it's impacting the economy, not just the physical health, but the financial pockets. And so all of a sudden now fear is setting in. And so Jesus says, look, you got to be very careful. You cannot serve God and mammon because you end up loving one and hating the other or holding on one and despising the other. And so he uses the eye to say, get refocused. Get realigned on what matters, because if you set your eyes on treasures of this earth and you keep looking at the headlines about finances and you keep looking at your hours and your paycheck, all those things, he says, you now are investing your emotional heart here on this earth and you cannot serve that and that. So you got to take lift up your eyes to when come your help, your help comes from the Lord. And so 1 Timothy 6.6, he says this, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Because we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain. There's not a lot certain in this world, but this is certain. We can carry nothing out. You can be certain of that. There's nothing that you are so worried about right now, about your finances. There's not a single piece of real estate property, material that you have that you can carry out. Not a single thing. That's the one thing you can be certain of. Now, you can't be certain whether or not it's going to be in your belongings in the temporal time because it could all of a sudden they can call your note. They could call your more. They could do all that stuff because the borrower is servant to the lender. And this is why it's very important that we don't live off of credit. You know, we want to make sure that we're as liberated from the financial obligations of this world. And so it says, so having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. And so you want something that is of value and that is profitable? Learn to live a simple life and be thankful that you have clothing on your back and that you have food on the table. You should be thankful with that. Don't worry about the fishing boat. Don't worry about all the extra toys. Don't worry about all the extra this, that, and the other. Right now, godliness and contentment is great gain. But there are some that are godly, but they're not content. There are some that have all this stuff, but they're not godly. We need godliness and contentment. That is what is going to be profitable to you in this hour right now, is that you get your life together and you live godly so you are not fearful of the eternal. But you're also content so you're not fearful in the temporal. Be content with a simple life because you brought nothing in this world and be certain of this. You can take nothing out with you. He goes on saying in verse nine, but they that are going to be rich and pursue the riches fall in temptation and a snare and into many foolish, hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Now look at verse 10. He says, the love of money is the root of all evil. There's that word again. 
is Jesus talking about the eyes and the heart, and the heart is connected to love. The love of money, love is so key. Love is so vital for us to catch here. Love of my money is not evil. Nothing in of itself is evil. But the love of something becomes evil. And so this love, this pursuit, this trust, this investment in money can be our downfall. It can pierce us through with many sorrows, he says in verse 10. And so we cannot elevate finance over faith. Finance cannot be our faith. It must be faith over finance. We must love treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. I'm just about done here. 1 John 4, 16. We've been reading from here quite a bit here lately. And he says, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. We have to realize God is love. And loving something other than God, you cannot serve God and mammon. You'll either hate one or love the other. God is love. And we need to love God, not something other than God. And if we would dwell in love, it says that God would dwell in us. And herein is our love made perfect, and we can have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Those who love money, there's fear right now. But those who love God and are made perfect in God's love, they're not invested on the treasures of this earth. Therefore, that is not what determines their demeanor of the day, their disposition of the day, their, 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 their emotional being. See, if God is love and we dwell in love, God dwells in us. And so it says this perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. If there's an area of torment in your life, if there's an area of fear in your life, it's a revealer of an area you have yet to surrender to God. That's not to, to insult you. That's not to beat you. That's not to make you feel like an idiot. That is God's good grace to help you come to a revelation, a realization, and an understanding. Here's the area God's wanting to work on me right now. And what does it say in James chapter 1? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let them ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. And so any time we are in a season of trial or temptation, and all of a sudden the fear surfaces, the worry surfaces, that is your moment to receive the communication from the Spirit. This is what God's trying to work on me. This is what God's trying to develop in me. But just like Joseph, we're like, hey, uh, can you get me out of here? You know, I, I, I'm doing something good. Tell, tell Pharaoh, let me go, and I'm out of here. But he would never would have fulfilled his ultimate purpose if he would have bypassed the process. And so right now, the fears you have, the worries you have, the answer is not to pray that God gets you out of it. 
but that God develops you in it. That's what happens in the book of Acts chapter 5, uh, when, or Acts chapter 4, when the apostles are beaten for not denying Jesus. And when they get beat and they're released, they, they, they rejoice that they were worthy to count uh, shame and suffering for the name of Jesus. Then they went to a prayer meeting and they asked for more boldness to be more vocal. That's incredible. They didn't ask for the persecution to be lifted off of them. They didn't ask for the laws of the land to change for them. They asked for more boldness to be more vocal and for more supernatural to work through their hands in the name of Jesus. That's our prayer right now. Not God take me out of this, but God work on me through this and work through me in this. That's our prayer right now that we need to be having focus on our minds. So if you have any fear in you right now, any anxiety surfacing, that's not to insult you. That's not to say you're less of value. That is God trying to make more value out of you. So realize God's working on me. And that's a good thing. I want God to work on me because I want to be made in his image. And so when money fails, this is not if money fails. This is when Money fails because it will, and it is right now. Money is collapsing. They're doing bailout after trillions of dollars, and they're about to do another trillions. I mean, we can't even fathom trillions of dollars. And so another, and this is just all make-believe paper monopoly money. I, this is, we're, we're, we are living on a house of cards right now, and just one little breeze knocks the whole thing down. And so we are on the brink of a collapse. Now, that could strike some fear in you, but that's not the purpose of the season to strike fear, but to re- reveal what God wants to remove inside of you, what God wants to do in you. Because perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love doesn't help it keep it there. Perfect love completes you to remove what makes you incomplete. And so this money will fail. And so we got to set our affections on things above and set our eyes on Jesus the fear of finance will disintegrate in the abundance of love. If you have deposits of love, it doesn't matter what you can't withdraw from your bank account of finances. That's what you need. You need to build up your reservoir, your bank account of love. You need to set your eyes on Jesus and realize he is love. He loves you. And if your eye is single and pure on that, it will flow into your heart and there will be an abundant love that is there for you. And that perfect love casts out fear and the fear of money and the fear of finance. And all of a sudden, you can cast your cares on him. You can know the more you know him, the more you know that God is love and he loves you. And the more love you have and realize that he cares for you, you can make it through anything. The love chapter that most people call 1 Corinthians 13. In the King James it uses the word charity. But we know that word is love in our modern day vernacular. So I'm going to use the word love in 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8 and then verse 12 and 13. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. And love endures all things. And look at this, verse 8. We're talking about when money fails. Verse 8 says, charity never 
fails. When money fails, love never fails. That's why we have to have a revival of love in us. This is why we got to have an abundance of love flow through us. Because money will fail. But love never fails. God's bank account and reservoir of love is bottomless. And if we can tap into the love of God in prayer, in devotion, in meditation on him, I'm telling you, when money fails, love never fails. And when people have no money and money fails in the land, they're going to go find somebody that has compassion. They're going to find somebody that has love. And they went to Joseph. They said, surely, Joseph, you wouldn't let me die in your presence. So we've come to you for bread. And that's what's going to happen, church. Hear me carefully right now. When money fails, people are going to look for love. And the church ought to have more love than anywhere else right now. People are going to look for love in all the wrong places. And when they find that it's not love, they're going to be quickened into their mind. And you will come to their mind as a person that has storehouses of love. Because for seven years of abundance, you've been storing up love. And so when money fails, they go to you for love. And you got the bread. Because man man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God and what proceeds out of God is love for God is love and perfect love cast out fear we have what this world needs because money is failing and people's hearts are failing for fear but love never fails someone say praise the Lord <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 13. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Reading from the New Living Translation. Right now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But we will see everything in perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. And verse 13 says, three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. When money fails, not if money fails, when money fails in the land, there are three things that last forever. Faith, hope, love. May those three things be found in us. But the greatest of these three things, you have faith, and that's great. You have a hope, and that's great. But it is love. That is the greatest. And love never fails. When money fails, love never fails. And I pray we don't fail for a lapse of love. The Levites 
serve God, and they received no inheritance. But God said, I am your inheritance. God said, I am your reward. God said, I am your possession. We are the royal priesthood. We are that chosen nation. And when money fails, God's our reward. And God is love. And we are made perfect. We are made complete in love. It says in 1 John 4, 16, we read it before, I'll read it again. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. I would encourage you to be praying for an increase of love, that you would love him more. If you would dwell in love, if you would dwell in him, and he dwell in you, love never fails. You won't fail this season. You won't fail this test. You won't fail what you're going through right now. Jesus, let's pray together. I pray right now, Lord, that there would be inside of us love. I pray, God, that, Lord, of all the things that are going to end, the three things that are forever are faith, hope, and love. I pray, God, that our faith is strong. I pray that our hope is secure. But in the name of Jesus, may our love never fail. May our love be strong because, God, when money fails, love never fails. And, Lord, we are those that people are going to look to when money fails in the land. Just as Egypt went to Joseph, this world will go to the church because they are convinced that the church won't let them perish in their presence. But, God, that we'll have bread for them. We'll have a word for them. We'll have a rhema for them. We'll have manna for them. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I would encourage you, come on, get a get an increase of love. Get a, a daily deposit of God's love. And if fears before you take a withdrawal of love, and you could always have that security in your hand knowing I got love. God is love, and perfect love casts out fear.